0: Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. The Band of Brothers is the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. The we are on right now is winning at work and home. We are being led by Pastor Greg Mott, Jason Swigert, Eric Reed, Ben Pritchett, and several other ministers from the church. We're glad you're joining us and we hope you have a blessed day. Father God, thank you for allowing us to gather here today, Lord. I pray that you'd be with the men that are not here this morning and that you would encourage them. If they're on their way, that you get them here safely. I ask, God, that you would speak to us about parenting this morning, whether we are currently parents or, or not, that we would all be able to uh, learn something from this, God, and, and I thank you for giving us the parent-child relationship to teach us more about you, and I pray that we would get our example of parenting from you, God, as our holy and heavenly Father. Speak mightily through Jason, Lord, and uh, be with us now as we gather for this time of teaching. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, how are you? How many of y'all get up at like four to be ready to get here? Mark Bradley in the back, I did that for him. Do y'all know Mark? He's here every week. He unlocks the door for Eric to get in. So, great guy. And um, so, how many of you get up at five? There you go. The five recruit, or most of y'all up at five anyway? Okay. As you get older, you'll get up at five. And Four. Okay, um, we're going to start today, paintball. My son, my my middle son went paintballing um, this weekend, went to a birthday party, and he's 11. It's his first paintball experience, and I, I had church, which is so typical of our lives, and so my, mom, my wife had to take him, and she dropped him off at the birthday party, and when she picked him up, he got in the car, and he started balling, and so he's a, he's kind of a little guy, my, my oldest Oldest son Chambers is a much kind of a burly guy, but Harry Harrison's kind of a skinny, lean kind of guy. And um, he got in the car and he showed us his signature mark. Mark uh, Eric Ober wasn't there, but on his inner thigh he had a huge welt as big as his knee because his leg's only about that big. And um, he said, "What's wrong?" And he said, "One of his friends' dad's a jerk." And I said, well, "What?" He said, "He said I got hit and I fell down and he told me I was a sissy. I need to get up. That men don't quit." like oh great we got rambo dad with 11 year olds playing paintball and he had my son so he's been in counseling all week he's doing better and um so he's learning about how to be be a a real man and being hit by the paintball anyway so september tw- i mean november 23rd is coming up this sunday and november 23rd 1991 i got married so this this sunday is my 17th anniversary and uh, my wife don't tell anybody my wife thinks um she knows it's my anniversary And she thinks I'm a deadbeat, that I haven't done anything, because it's been so crazy. So the other day, she goes, can we, like, have you thought about going to, you know, dinner or something? I did not even thought of it. It's been so crazy. So it crushed her. So, but what I've got planned is Sunday, shh, don't tell her, um, after church, my in-laws are taking the kids, and we're going to whisk her away to the heights for a night at a bed and breakfast, and she'll think I'm the most incredible Maxim kind of guy in the world. But anyway... So 17 years ago, it's hard for me to believe that, and 17 years later, and three boys later, today we're going to talk about maximum parenting, and so um, very rarely do I speak anywhere, and, and my sons don't come up, but here's a, here's a picture of our family, and this is us on a vacation this summer in Yellowstone, and they love um, family pictures, and so there's a, this is really a good one because they're the, the, from the tantrums and the crying to the fighting to one, two, three, smile, click, it goes really quick. But um, that's Chambers in the middle. He's 13. Harrison's in the Texas um, shirt right there, his sweatshirt, and he's 11. And Preston, my youngest, is um, eight. And um, they are incredible. Here's another, a couple other pictures of them. This is them going. They, we, made, we found snow in um, July, and so we don't ever have snow. So we spent most of our time in Yellowstone at the top of the Continental Divide in, with um, grocery sacks on our, around our feet. They had, only had Crocs on, and then we played in the snow. People thought those people are from Texas, and then this one was us being really tough. And my oldest son hates this; it's embarrassing because he said, "You're throwing like a girl, Dad." <laughs> so they look tough, and I'm, you know, so we can move on beyond that. So anyway, that's that's a little bit about the author. But I mean, time flies since Pre- Chambers was Preston's age. We went to a uh, we're looking at high school next year, and so we went to a prospective parents open house um, on Tuesday morning at Houston Christian and um, sitting there listening to um, the, the faculty and some parent panel talk about how fast. Um, they said up through middle school, those years go really quick, but through high school when they get there, they're just in a flash, they're gone. And so I got a little sentimental thinking, thinking through that. But I sat reminded that parenting is really one of the greatest joys in life. Um, and what greater achievement could there be than to be able to launch my son's um, into this world as godly men and as godly catalysts um for for the kingdom, especially when it 's a positive healthy um difference making kind of of life i 'm launching um, What greater achievement can a man have than to send a living message of hope and how how what a great great phrase that is that that uh, Robert Lewis uses uh, a living message of hope into the future for himself and that 's what parenting 's all about. How many of you guys are parents in here let 's see kind of our audience okay how many of you have um, preschoolers? That means baby to five. Okay, there you go. How many grade school? Middle school? High school? College? There we go. So we got the whole gamut. How many of you don't have kids? Okay, how many of you hate kids? Hey, no, 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 okay. We'll have a private session afterwards. Um Great. Well, some of you are a lot further along than I am. Some of you um, aren't married, and you're not. The last thing you're thinking about is kids. But um, I, I encourage you, and I'll pray in just a second that God will meet each of us where we are. Um, and so, if you if you have kids and they're out of the nest already, um, you can be thinking about what what the next phase of life looks like, how to impact their, the next generation, which would be your grandchildren. If you don't have kids yet um, and you're not married, then I'll pray that God will let you uh, have some insight into how you can make a difference in in kids around you, and also preparing right now in your marriage, um, even if you're not married, praying for the marriage you're going to have for one day if the Lord chooses to give you children, of uh, of the impact you can have even now. So let's pray um, briefly, and then we'll we'll get started and jump right in. Lord, thank you so much for uh, today and for waking us up, Lord. Um, God, I thank you that you never sleep. You're not faint-hearted. God, you love your children no matter what stage, no matter where we are in relationship with you. You seek us. And uh, your desire is to live within us, God, so we can uh, be a living example um, of who you are in our world. And So Father, would you uh, meet each of us where we are in our phase of life? Um, Lord, some of us as we look back, some of us as we look forward, uh, but all of us um, are kids. And Father, so I pray that you would even help us look um, in ways of, of our lives today even, that you would want to launch us into the next phase of being your children um, to live for you and bring glory to you, and make a difference. So We give you this time. We ask you to, uh, to take it and control it and use it. In your name I pray, amen. Um, so the, the, the parenting, the, the it takes the best part of you, and I just prayed, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, one parenting expert said, as you all know, it's kind of a white-knuckled, long-term commitment that's a thrill ride that lacks any guarantee of an outcome. We wish it would. Unfortunately, it doesn't. We just have to hang on for the ride. For some of the moments, these the uh, there are these incredible highs, and sometimes in parenting there are these crashing lows. Um, it really is a picture of a roller coaster, and some people love roller coasters, some don't. Paige hates roller coasters. I love roller coasters, except as I'm getting older, I don't love them as much um, because it hurts my back. But um, I, uh, it, it's that it is that thrill ride of coming out of your seat, going down the hill, and then. The the uh, well, you're going up the hill, the anticipation of what's about to come, and then if you turn over all the way, and then you eventually you don't stay turned over, you turn back over to where you're upright, hopefully, um, unless you're on a cheap amusement ride in some parking lot in a mall. But don't do those. Um, so take it take a look at page 59 is where we're going to be in our outline today, and um, there's a there's a great a great picture of this, and we'll work through through that. These ups and downs, I can see this with my kids already, um, you know, um, and I have for years, but even they're... they're more visual and visible now to me with a middle schooler because emotions and hormones and all those things are kicking in. And so I can have these incredible moments. I say about, I have about six weeks, six six weeks, six weeks, days of just incredible joy, um, encouragement of, of having a, a teenager. I think this is incredible. And then the seventh day, hell hits. And it's tough. I mean, everything just crashes down. Like where did this come from? Um, whether it's attitude or rebellion or can't figure out what's going on or right, lack of responsibility, um, all all those things kick in. And so, it really is that that up and down. With my eight year old, it can be it can be the funnest thing, and then two seconds later, I'm about to wring his neck. Um, and then by the time he goes to bed, he's the sweetest thing again. In the whole world. Like, oh, how could I ever be frustrated with you? And then I'm reminded about two seconds. Okay? So it's that, that constant up and down. And if you have more than one ch- child, then you multiply that up and down, and you're all over the roller coaster at all times, and, and you are in counseling. So page 59 um, is where we're going to look at. The Bible is very, very realistic about parenting. In nowhere does it say, you, um, I'm going to bless you with children, and it's going to be so easy. Just kick back and um, you know get the remote, and then when they're 18, you are going to send them out, and it's going to be a good deal. Here's some snapshots, and it's, again, it's a real good visual there. Um, even in the outline, go back to the very, very beginning in in Genesis chapter 4, right there at Scripture. It says, Now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I've begotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Um, Some children are more man-children than others. And again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Tremendous highs, okay? Then followed a few verses later with these lows. It came about when they were young men and in the field that Cain rose up against his brother and Abel killed him. I mean, you talk about highs and lows. Here's this gift. These two boys, all of a sudden, um, and, and it's, you know, you've begotten them. They're part of your, your flesh and your blood, and God helped you create them. And then the next few verses over, one of them has killed, killed the other one. Psalm 127.3 goes back up, uh, back up to a, a high. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And yet in Genesis 27, we read, Rebecca said to her husband Isaac, I'm tired of living if your son Jacob marries a pagan woman, what good will my life be, be to me? A little selfish there. So it takes a downturn. In Proverbs 10.1, it goes back up and says a wise son makes a father glad. And this is so true. I don't know how many of you had this experience, but but when my kids make wise decisions at whatever age of they are, um, it does. It makes my heart glad. It, it soars when they when they make those true decisions. But in Second Samuel eighteen. We read this hard reality. And when David learned about the death of his foolish son Absalom, he cried, Oh, my son Absalom, my son Absalom, my son Absalom, would I have died instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Do you, do you feel a heartache in that? Um, very rarely do we say uh, we, we speak like that except when we're trying to get you know, Preston's attention. Preston, Preston, Preston. But it's not one of heartache. It's one of total frustration. So put um, that, but that, um, that heartache and that down. Proverbs seventeen six says the glory of sons is their father's. First Samuel two. Then it says Eli the priest heard all that his sons were doing and how they laid with women and he said to them why do you do such evil things? But they would not listen to the voice of their father and the Lord desired to put them to death in a, a, a low. Then back in in Proverbs twenty nine three it jumps back up it says a son who loves wisdom makes his father glad. Um. Uh, and then uh, Proverbs 17.25 says, A foolish son is grief to his father and bitterness to his mother who bore him. Psalm one twenty seven three. Children are a gift of the Lord. Judges 11.35 takes a nosedive to Jephthah's daughter, was his only child, and it came about when he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me low, very low, and you're among those who trouble me. Um, Matthew 3.17 uh, 3, says, After Jesus was baptized, behold, the heavens opened up, and God said, this is my beloved in whom, uh, beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Luke 15, story of another son. A certain man had two sons. The younger one said, Father, give me the share of my estate that falls to me. And that son went away, and he squandered his estate with harlots and loose living. But that wasn't the end of the story. And we end on a, on a high here that very soon after that came running to his dad. His dad embraced him, killed the fatted calf, and said, this son who was lost is now found. So again, that that story throughout scripture is weaved of of highs and lows of parenting. It's it makes you motion sick. I mean, you think about it, and that's how life is. It's like we want to just take a Dramamine and go to sleep and wake up when it's over, or get me off this ride. But it's the thrill of the ride. It's not um, it's it's not riding you know the cruise boat at Disney World where it's just like this, and you know what's going to happen? The tree's going to fall in just a second at the Pirate Caribbean, and then you're going to look back and the tree's going to go whoop, back up, you know, and the pirate's going to. Go turn back around and go back into the woods, um, and you know what's coming every time. That's not how parenting is. It it comes at you at all sides. But that is the excitement and the great thing because that's what keeps us close to the Lord. To have to keep the Lord our focus, and there's some goals we're going to talk about in a minute, and to keep our keep our eyes on those and not on um, on us. So um, it's that it's that thrill of the ride. You got the A's and the F's, the intense pride, and then the gut wrenching pain and disappointment you've got excellence feeling excellence and you've got embarrassment that you'll feel sometimes you got triumphs and tragedy it's that agony of thrill and uh, and and uh, the, at the the what is it the the thrill of victory yes and the agony of defeat thank you eric some old guys remember that um so they're all mixed together parenting is not for the faint of heart okay so here's some important handlebars i'm going to give you um and uh, as you as you ride a bike, uh, you you learn to ride with handlebars. You don't learn to ride a bike without handlebars. But it's a great day when you can pedal down the street with without any hands, right? My youngest kid sees sees uh, people do that. He thinks that's the coolest thing. Um, he still hadn't learned to do it yet because he rides his bike like this. I mean, he wiggles his head back and forth, so the whole whole bike moves back and forth when he goes. Um, but anyway, handlebars that. Go anywhere. So this morning uh, we're going to finish up the last sessions of man and his home um, that that Travis referred to, um, and I want to give you four handlebars this morning real quickly, um, and then let y'all talk talk about them um, that we can hold on tightly to as we raise raise children. Okay, so four handlebars of maximum parent, parenting, and here they are. The first one is hold on to the goal. Hold on to the goal. What's the goal of parenting? What's the goal of parenting? be uh, interactive here. They raise godly kids. What about professional baseball players? What about kids who go to Harvard? Self-sufficient kids, okay, great. Anything else? Kids who make a lot of money so they can take care of you when you're old. Admit it, it'll happen later. Good, okay. The Bible actually opens with it, and y'all are, y'all are right on it. It says a little bit cryptically, and here's what it says. Genesis 128, it says, God blessed the man and his wife, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over it. Okay? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Um, i look at the verse for a second. Do you see the goal of parenting nestled in there somewhere? Um, it doesn't use the exact words that, that you said. But, but it's in there. First of all, it's not saying to the man and the wife that they're just supposed to milt, multiply and fill the earth. It not just fill the earth with babies that would grow into men and women, and they have babies, and they'll fill, fill it. It's not just about having, having kids. The goal of parenting, it says, is having kids who can then subdue and rule over the earth in a way that God desires. Okay? So you raise godly kids who, who are good stewards and rule over the earth um, as God desires as, as His creation. He wanted the man and women, woman, not man and women, man and woman. Um, we've talked about that to be a, this healthy incubator that would then uh, ultimately allow them to release into the world difference makers, godly difference makers who could exercise a certain level of righteous, righteous leadership over the little bit of turf of the planet Earth that they could ultimately go and possess. So God really is about making leaders, godly leaders, to lead. Um, to, to lead and subdue his earth. And it's not to be controlled, controlling of things, but it's to follow his plan. That's the goal of parenting. Thousands of years later, the Apostle Paul would say these words passionately. And I have them actually on a plaque right here. Um, and it says, I have no greater joy than this, to hear my children walking in the truth. Um, and um, it is um, a great, great scripture. This is not mine unfortunately, but it's my wife's and um, it has a little note on it, it says to page my precious daughter with love beyond measure dad Christmas nineteen eighty seven each one of pages pages one of four girls each of them one of them have the same little thing and um, this as we've had children and as our children have have all made professions of faith and started to walk with God on their own this is incredibly true. Um, there's, there, it is incredibly joyful to watch my kids make decisions, not just to, to, to ask Christ to be their Savior. That, that's phenomenal. But to seek to follow him and to be godly and to walk in his ways and make hard decisions as they go and to live as godly men. Great, great thing. They're, they're difference makers. They'll go out in their little enclaves and little patch of the planet Earth that they live in, and they'll exercise righteous leadership. And uh, that's what when I see my kids, I don't I don't want them to be leaders for the sake of being leaders. I want to be leaders whether they're on the football team or they're in uh, academic um, situations or with friends or church or whatever. Not to be the Pied Piper, but to be the leader to set the example for Christ in the way they're gifted and their personalities. Sometimes we think leaders have to be the rah rah rally person. Um, when when in fact it's not. You can be a very quiet leader, but it's the example that you live. Um, and, and how you live your life and the way that people, people see that. My son Chambers, he's 13, and his, his, he hasn't been incredibly fruitful yet in that way, but I'm seeing glimpses of him walking in the truth now, and, and it's incredible. Just this week, he had a situation at school that he's never had, um, and it involved basically um, some kids saying some things um, that aren't true. So to watch him process that in a in a godly fashion in a thirteen year old mind and think how should I respond um, what's the appropriate way um, instead of react and watch him walk through that was was incredible and it was a it was a painful experience because in his sweet heart and kind heart it was a thing where, why would anyone ever do this to someone um, but it was great and I thought of that verse and thought Lord this this is joyous this is incredible. This makes all that time that I've spent um, in frustration, even you know, trying to set an example and talk through Scripture and pray with him to see it come to fruition in little, little pieces. Um, and a lot of um, some of you who have older children, you've seen that in your older children, even as they maybe have gone off to college and they're making decisions in marriage um, and those things. I, uh, I met with a couple last night that I'm that I'm I'm not marrying them. They go to another church in the city, and her dad is on staff there, and he's marrying him. And so they wanted to go to kind of a different setting for some premarital counseling. So I met with them for the first time last night, and I um, – kind of a weird situation. Not weird, but um, I was on staff at another church 20 years ago, and this girl's dad, um, the church interviewed him as a potential youth minister, which would have been my boss. So I met him 20 years ago, and she was like seven years old. Now she's getting married, and so I sat in that room last night in my office, thinking, "How incredible to see this incredibly godly woman trying to make godly decisions." Um, and it's and it's it's because her parents are maximum parents. They did an incredible job with the goal, um, the goal that they have um, uh, that, that uh, to raise them to, to send them out. So whatever else dad thinks will bring him joy in his kids, and we all have kind. Of, dreams for our kids, um, they'll fulfill us whether they uh, will be the smartest or the best looking for dads of a star athletes or for the most popular, the brightest and the best, the one who gets the most attention, whatever goals you might think as a young dad, for instance, that you have for your kids, the aspirations you have for them. The truth is they could be all those things and more, but if they're every one of those things but miss the end mark of being a difference maker and a godly leader, then they've then they've missed the mark. Okay. The truth of knowing God and whatever joy that comes from that, they they haven't reached the goal. So you need to hold on to that goal. That's why from time to time our children are born, uh, from, from the time our children are born, there are two things um, uh, that, we, that they should be doing or we should be doing all the time. Regardless of how good or bad they are at any time, we've got to focus on these two things. The first one is pointing our children to God, consistently pointing them to God in every situation. So it's conversations of, of what what do you, without being a Bible thumper or some fanatic, but pointing back to Scripture, What is what is what does Scripture say, you know, um, what do you think God would want you to do in this? Um, but pointing them back to God, and the second thing is praying fervently and continually that they will go there on their own. You hold on to that goal, pointing our children to God and praying fervently and I uh, want you to know our greatest assurance that those things will occur in our children is one day when they walk up to you, and from out of their gut, with no coercion on your part, you don't have to manipulate the conversation or anything else, and they say something like this, Dad, let me tell you what God's doing in my life. We haven't had that conversation yet. You know, my eight-year-old hadn't gone, picking his nose and gone, hey, Dad, guess what? God's doing my life. Um, you know, I'm still going, Preston, why don't you pray? No, I don't want to pray out loud. So, you know, then I coerce him. Um uh, not really, um, but it's one of the greatest things that will happen in life. So in this thrill ride or parenting, that first goal, hold on to the goal. The first thing, always as dads, is, is, is the focus there. Never stop pointing the way and don't stop praying for them. Okay? You've, you're, you've launched a difference maker into the planet Earth if you can do that. Okay? Second thing, hold on to your time. Hold on to your time. Say that because there's nothing that gets away faster than us from than time. Yesterday was a really, really long day, but I look back and think, what did I really do? I know the things I did; they just weren't necessarily enjoyable things that, that spur me on. But, um, but the, the there's a national study on the family that recently released, and guess what? The number one complaint of teenagers was, "I don't spend enough time with my parents." We think I don't have a car; we don't have enough money. My parents bug me, they're getting in my business, all those things. That's what thats what the media would say. But consistently, actually, the study throughout time has been done. My parents don't spend enough time with me. That was the number one complaint of teenagers. We know that from surveys, 40% of all kids in America today don't feel a close relationship with their dad, 40%. Yesterday, I went and met with the, the principal, um, my oldest son's school, FBA over here, the middle school principal. She's dynamite. She's awesome. And I sat with her, and um, we talked about some of the situation that's going on, and and she said, you know, most of, we have great kids, we have great families, but even in great families, the majority of these kids, especially sons, their dad, is very uninvolved. We we see as our, our goal that we hang on to is not hang on to our time, but hang on to being the provider. And then later on, we give them these things so they can enjoy it. They don't... Our kids don't want that. They might not can't even voice that, but what they want is, is time with us. In Ephesians 5, it says, Therefore, be careful how you live, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because these days are evil. I might put a paraphrase there and say these days are fast, and that's why they become evil. We get involved in busyness, and it's the things around us uh, that, that, uh, that take our time away. No one has more time than anyone else, Okay. Um, well you can talk about managing time, but really we need to manage our lives within the time because we're all given the same amount of time. And with kids, some dads will make the most of that and some dads won't. The difference will be that what you're holding on to. Some dads will have a firm grip on their time and others will only gripe about how much time they don't have. In fact, there's two management styles um, in this goal before we move on. The first one is reactive time management style, the reactive time, and most of us probably live here even at home or work. This lives by the tyranny of the urgent, um, by the things that are really not important, but they seem important. Okay? It's, it's basically, we, we don't do the, the uh, things we, we should be doing, which are important, because we're doing the urgent things, the things that are thrown at us. So what you have to do is you have to get a perspective of that, of setting down and knowing what's important overall, over a month, over a day. And uh, and make and make sure that you accomplish those things. That's the filter you look through: is what do what is it what is important today? Not what's going to be thrown at me that's urgent. What monkey's going to be thrown on my back? That's that's not for me to deal with today. That takes time away from my from my focus. Um, uh, you can uh, two things you can say: I can choose that, or you can say I need to say no to that. And it's okay. It's okay to do that. If you don't have that filter, then everything fills a schedule, and there's really no time to think through what you're, where you're going or what you're doing. And the best things in life for a dad and his children are lost in the midst, in the blur of busyness and reaction that just sweeps away the days, and it's called reactive management approach. The second one, and it's a better one, is the proactive time management approach. And it refuses to leave the best things in life to chance. Instead, it takes the time to decide in advance what the best things are, then it calendars those things into the schedule, sometimes months, maybe even for some of us a year in advance, and then protects those things at all costs from being put off. Um, that sounds real organized and real anal, and you know, it's like, oh, how, how do you plan that? I can't even plan what I'm thinking for lunch in you know, four hours or my day. But I find that when I am disciplined in doing those kind of things, it is so much better. And it takes a time of really pulling away and, and thinking through it uh, I do I try to do this on a, actually on a daily basis I block my time into four um, blocks of time during the day it starts um, starts in the morning with rest in the first 30 minutes that I'm here I try to either read or um, get settled in my office and pray and just kind of be quiet and focus on my day. Um, the next period before lunch, um, I have it on my daytime or my my PDA whatever you use. I use a PDA, and it has these words, and it is results. And so that's the time Eric knows this. Typically, I try to shut my door, and uh, I crank out what I have to for that day or for the week or whatever. And then I have a lunch, and then after lunch, my door is open, and it's response for ours. And so that's the time when I make calls, I return phone call phone calls, emails. Anybody can come in my office. That's when um, my Assistant sets all my, my appointments, all that kind of stuff. And then the last 30 minutes is refocus, which very rarely ever happens. But the idea is to, to, to settle down at the end of the day and figure out the top three things that I need to do the next day, have them on my desk so the next day when I walk in, I know where I'm going. Okay, That's ideal. I don't do that very well. But that's the goal, the handlebar that I try to hold on to on my time, and it's a, it's a proactive approach. From a book I read called Less is More. It's a great book on leadership. Um, Probably, I think, one of the best I've I've ever read. But um, you, you have to go in. You have to have a plan. Otherwise, your time does. It just rules you. And the same thing at home. I can go home at night. My time rules me. I'm tired from home. I walk in. I try to help my wife around the house, you know, with the kids or with dinner or whatever. And before I know it, I look at the end of the night. We're in bed, and I didn't accomplish anything I needed to at home, either relationally with my kids or relationally with my wife, or just me trying to settle in and, and have some normal family time. Um, we will we'll all be attacked with what's urgent, but what we need to spend time doing is, is important, okay? For maximum parenting, you have to hold on to your time. The third thing is you have to hold on to your responsibility. Hold on to your responsibility. Psalm 78, 72 says this, "...so he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart." and guided them with skillful hands. He shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with skillful hands. Two responsibilities are embedded in that scripture right there and embedded in a dad who becomes a shepherd of his home, and that's really what we are. We're a family shepherd, okay? Um, sometimes we feel like we're herding cats more than sheep, but we're are but shepherd. The first thing is we have to live with integrity. And I told you this, and I'll say it again. Kids need a hero, Kid needs a kid's need a hero, and it doesn't necessarily need to be LeBron James um, or the greatest football player or whoever. It needs to be you as a dad, and it really doesn't take a whole lot um, for for that to happen. Actually, when it comes to the to the world into the their world, um, you need to be their hero. I need to be my kids' hero, not in a perfect sense, but in a real uh, real time sense of knowing that we champion them, that we care about them, and that we live a life worthy um, of them looking, looking up to us. Um, secondly, we must constantly upgrade our parenting skills. And that's in there as well. It talks about skillful hands. Notice it says, he guided them with skillful hands. And here's what I want you to know. We have a skill when we have a long-term plan to raise a son or daughter or a long-term game plan. If we have that in mind, at the end in mind, then we have a skill we do that. And we have a skill when we do a a few things. And we can define manhood or womanhood to our children. Yay, you, that's what you're doing. You are learning how to define that and live it out so that your kids will understand what that is. Hopefully manhood, the things that you've you've learned over the last couple years, including these months, will be things you, you talk in your vocabulary with your kids, no matter how old they are. And it's not too late to start to talk about manhood and womanhood you have a skill when you know how to change your parenting style over the seasons of a child's life from coaching to cheerleader to consultant. Right now I'm a coach for my from most for all three of my kids, but I'm moving into a cheerleader for my son as I cheer him on to make wise decisions, but I don't and I still coach him some, but at some point very soon I'll be a consultant with him hopefully. Even last night driving home in the car I talked to him about um, a situation with a teacher this week, and I said I have I have some thoughts on how maybe you should handle that that situation. Um, if you'd like to hear him, do you do you want to hear him? And I asked permission. I didn't just go, "This is what you need to do, son. Don't be a meathead. Do this." Da da da. You'd be like me. You'd be really smart, and it'll be all good. That's that's you know what we want to say because that's what we think. But I had to hold back. And he said, "Yeah, go ahead and tell me." So I told him, and I said, "You know, it's you can you choose what you want to do, but I think that's probably a good plan." So who knows if he did it? I asked Paige last night. I said, "Do you think he'll do it?" I don't know. I'm, we can't say anything else about it. We have to leave it to him. So hopefully he'll do it. If not, I'll berate him and tell him he's an idiot. Just kidding. Um, you'll, you know you'll have a skill when you know their personalities uh, because we've taken a time. We've done that in here. We've talked about personality styles. Don't just put that on yourself or your spouse or your, your fiancé or your girlfriend or whatever. Look at that for your children and how you're parenting. Apply that to parenting. You know they're bent, and you accept their bent is from God, and you encourage them to develop that bent, okay? If your kid is is, um, is um, bent in athletics, then follow that bent, okay? Um, if he is or she is academic, then let them soar. If they're in dance, let them soar. If they're social and it's friends and it's relationships, then point them that direction. But we can't point them in every direction. But find their bent and encourage them to be all that they can be and all that God created them to be. Important when uh, we have a skill, when we appreciate how birth order um, affects um, even parenting, and uh, and it really does affect it. I'm I'm a believer in this. There's the firstborns tend to be achievers. They tend to be compliant. Um, they're reliable. Um, they're fearful in a, in, in new situations. They're sometimes a little more cautious. Um, And that's true with mine. Middleborns, if they're the same sex of the firstborn, then they try to distinguish themselves from the the first person or their brother or their sister. They'll go in different directions, and that's why sometimes they look so different than than firstborns. Most of the time, um, they tend to be very competitive and aggressive and independent. Um, They can't even be more rebellious like the prodigal son. That's a little bit opposite of of my kids. Um, My middle son is real, real compliant tells the older son, he's more like Joseph when he says, all the wheat is bows down to me, and you know, later on, uh, you're going to come to me, and I'm going to save the world. I mean, that's kind of a little bit his attitude, so we work through that. Uh, and then last the lastborns, and they get away with murder. You know, they're just off the charts, and this one is tip, is really true, true with mine. Um, lastborns, uh, they, they love fun for the most part. They're outgoing. They tend to be demandive and manipulative, and they like to draw attention to themselves. Again, they've fought all their lives, you know, to, to get some attention. Um, and, uh, and so those are just, just some thoughts. But to know the bent and know your child, know the personality, know how God wired them, all those things that we looked at, put those in parenting now, not just in manhood and marriage, but also in parenting. Hold on to your responsibility as a parent. The, the last thing to hold on to, the last handlebar, is hold on to your mate. And for maximum parenting, you've got to hold on to your mate. And this is probably, I believe, the most important one, that okay, your kids need time with you, but your kids above everything else need to see you holding on to your mate holding on tightly in love, not in control. Colossians 3.19 says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. I want you to look at that verse for a minute, okay? It says, do not be embittered. And uh, that's an interesting statement because what it implies in those small three little words, those little words, uh, is getting in a relationship that over time build an irritation that ultimately builds into bitterness that builds into isolation, Okay. Love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Um, family experts tell us that the two toughest times in marriage, when the marriage really suffers the most and has the most stress, is when the husband and wife have small kids, preschool kids, and then they later have teenager kids, okay? Um, and that brings a lot of, a lot of stress. Um, and so basically that's all of marriage, you know, before you, until you have kids. Life is good and then you have kids and then they demand a lot from us. and So what we do is when we focus solely on our kids, on their happiness, on their schedules, on their events, on their academics, um, on making sure that they're the perfect children because they reflect us and we're perfect parents, um, what happens is we become isolated. And thing, little irritations settle in and they build up and they end up in isolation. And that is, that is not, not good. The wife feels overworked and under-supported husband feels unappreciated. Um, She starts withdrawing. He starts withdrawing before long. Uh, Everything focuses on their kids. Their kids leave, and they go, why did we get married? And that's why so many people divorce when their kids go off to college. And you think, why did they last so long? They've been married 20 years, and now they're divorcing because they've lost that commonality. They didn't hold on to each other. They let parenting become the more important thing. Um, So it's really more healthy for you if you Stoking the fires of your relationship all the way through. Um, so here's uh, what Neil Warren, he's the author of the book Triumph of Marriage, um, says. And it's a, it's a, it's a great, a great book. He says, show me a man and a woman who have children, and I will show you a man and a woman who need more than ever to nurture their relationship to ensure it thrives and grows. There's something about romance that is intensely personal. It all gets started when two people look at each other and feel something powerful happening inside themselves. They sit down with each other and begin to share their thoughts and feelings. They talk about their dreams, their goals, their values, their beliefs, and their hopes and their fears. There are few, if any, happily married persons I've ever interviewed who can get what they need from one another without engaging in this very personal but direct process on a regular basis. Sometimes men who spend tremendous energy in their careers want their wives to feel their love on the basis of how hard I'm working for both of us. It doesn't work like that. And sometimes women... Uh, sometimes women who give passionately to their children want their husbands to see how much I obviously love you because of how much I'm giving to our kids. It doesn't work that way either. Romance requires personal, direct, face-to-face time. There's never a time when two people can can keep their love growing and prospering without plenty of energy spent relating to each other individually and intimately. This is why I encourage people who have children to schedule time for romance. Work at it at least once a month. That's why I'm taking my wife away in town for anniversary. Um, that's why um, we, we go on date nights. That's why our kids, we let our kids see that, that that's the more important relationship because the more secure they see us in our marriage, the more secure they'll be and they'll understand what that looks, looks like. I have a buddy that um, I talked to a couple of weeks ago and he was really, really struggling in his marriage. He's a couple of years younger than me and he has two kids. His wife's a nurse. She works at night um and she works like 12-hour shifts and so she's her schedule's real off um he's a he's a real servant as far as he does a lot of stuff around the house and so he would he, a couple weeks ago I called him and I said hey what's going on and um he texted me and said hey can you talk so I called him Said, so what's going on he said I you know I don't know if I want to keep doing this he said when right now when my kids are gone today I would say I want a divorce he's an awesome Christian guy and so we went to Starbucks I said what's going on and he appreciated I do all this stuff she didn't care she uh, she didn't care what we do with the kids she's just tired of it so um, uh, I encouraged him to go to fireproof to see fireproof um, and so I, we said we'll keep your kids go to fireproof well that never happened I, I bugged him I was like you know have you gone yet Have you bought the tickets he's like she does not want to go I said go by yourself he said I'm not going to movie by myself about marriage falling apart and I was like well that was sensitive Jason so um Anyway, he he was banking on this family life um, weekend uh, in San Antonio, um, and it was last week. And he said, "I'm just I'm hoping and holding out that she'll go to that." So she did. So I saw him yesterday, and I said, "How was he?" He goes, "It is like starting over." He said, "It was incredible," and it wasn't necessarily because the conference was incredible; it was, but it was because they got away and they got back to that connection intentionally of why why they got married and why they loved each other. What they appreciate about each other, and it was all those little irritations that built up, and it built up to embitterment and isolation. Um, but going back to those times, and so you don't want to do that every ten years. You know, you don't want to build up embitterment for ten years, and then just suddenly go, "Oh, we were in love." I forgot about that the last nine. That's not the process is to do it continually. And it's the best thing your your kids kids can get. It the best thing uh, to build up your kids' EQ or their emotional co- quotient is to to see their mom and dad. Um, have stability in their marriage they get it from seeing mom and dad love each other okay um, it's it's uh, it, it's really really um, really really important to see here can jump okay, hold on just hold on to your mate and um, that'll that helps you when when at home uh, last last few things um, when when uh, we talk about parenting. It all begins with the words "it's a boy" or "it's a girl," and then very quickly they consume all your time and they consume your heart. It's a great thing. They consume your life and your prayers. They'll keep you up sleepless nights um, with fevers and diapers and story times. They'll break your heart the, the first time they go off and uh, they decide they're gonna they're gonna drink. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna try it and and see what uh, what life apart from mom and dad is. They're gonna make decisions. They're gonna make bad decisions. Go through all those. There'll be broken bones and campouts, um, but all of a sudden um, you're 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 walking down down this, to college, or you're walking down the aisle, um, and and they are you're giving them away. They are going on, and you're sending them out. And the question is, what have you sent them out with? And hopefully these are the things you send them out, pointed to God. Hopefully with great memories, dancing in their heads of, of time with them, of them seeing you with their, with their mom. Hopefully, with big dreams to pursue, but not dreams that, that you've only ignited in them. But God has put in them, and you fanned the flame for them for them to pursue. And hopefully, with an image of what it means to live with a man or a woman for a lifetime. So you think about that's maximum parenting. That's sending them out to subdue the earth and be godly leaders um, in their communities and their homes first, in their communities and also in the world. And that's what we uh, we want motoring around um, in our cars right now thinking that goal in mind so maximum parenting, those handlebars those four things think through those okay and I encourage you to, to live those they pray and um, and then there's some there's some things there as always to talk about a few groups and uh, y'all are a great great group and I, I commend you for hanging tough getting here at six o'clock for um, almost half a year is, is awesome and uh, and so just that alone um, is really really encouraging and that makes a difference in your homes but it also makes a difference in the kingdom of god it makes a difference in our church right Lord thanks again for uh, today and thanks for the opportunity to be a parent father I know literally um, there are times when I see glimpses of my children walking with you or we are together as a family um, and I see your your blessing and your glory and I think this is why we we're, we're, we were created uh, Lord to honor you um, and to see that happening Lord I pray for these guys Lord again whatever place they are in life, parenting, marriage, Lord. Give them a vision and a goal, Lord. Help them to, uh, in the next few minutes, camp on some some things. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would uh, ignite something in them, whether it's time management with the family, it is um, spending time with their spouse, Lord. Um, it's goals, setting, um, Lord, it's responsibility, integrity, all those things, Lord, I pray that you would you would meet each one of us this morning in these next few minutes. Help us to process that. And, Forward, God, to be um, the godly and the maximum parents that we need to be. We love you. And your-